0: Hello and welcome to the Raw podcast. The football is back, sort of. Uh, Sunderland played games against South Shields and Gateshead the other day. We're going to discuss them at length. I'm your host, James Copley, joined by my Sunderland Echo colleague, Phil Smith. Phil, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you.
1: Nice to have some football to talk about. Um, I always think we shouldn't be playing football in the cricket season, but still, it is (laughs) nice to have some football to talk about.
0: Indeed. Well, we'll we'll start there, Phil, shall we? Because... we were both at both games, South Shields and Gates had we hot footed between the two, we got caught in the rain. Um we'll start with Shields. Quite an enjoyable fixture, plenty of goals. It's always difficult, isn't it, with pre-season games? You don't want to read too much into them. But it was a first look at a couple of players in a first-team environment, um, namely Hemia, who's just signed from Benfica. And we also got Crompton at the back as well, signing from Shrewsbury, I think a season or so ago. First time I'd seen him play with the um, with the first team. I was quite impressed by both.
1: Yeah, I thought it was um, it was a bit of a... An odd game at first I didn't think there was really much of a it had a severe preseason field to begin with I think I think someone probably needed a little bit of time to almost sort of wake up if you like um mm. I thought it was a much better game in the second half when it felt a bit a bit more like a football game really and the the tempo was much better um but yeah in terms of in terms of the sudden performances I thought Hemia was really encouraging I think we probably we knew that even though he's obviously, he's huge, I think he's six foot three, six foot four, I think from the way Tony Mowbray had spoken, we kind of expected he wasn't going to be a target man. Um, and I think it's pretty clear that he's not that. Um, he wants to get on the ball. He wants to drop a little bit deep. He wants to drift out into the flank and play little one-twos with a winger. Um, he's clearly technically very comfortable. So I think he's certainly not a sort of target forward, even if, you know, the, his his height might make it look like he is but I thought what was really encouraging was that he he did look like a striker um he clearly has all you know he is a proper number nine like I say not a target forward but someone who he was trying to get in the six yard box um he was making those kind of runs across the front post that we see Stewart do really well um and obviously his goal you know it's a nice little header but it becomes because he's in good position from close range so I think Hemi was kind of what I expected. I think it's someone that will take probably a little bit of time to sort of fully acclimatise to the championship. But um, I was I was encouraged that he is a striker. You know, there's no sort of um, asking him to do a job up there. Very very natural in that sense, um, and so that's that's pretty encouraging. I think.
0: Yeah, I like the look of him. As you said, he, he dropped deep quite often. Seems very technically gifted, took his goal well. It's always better for a striker to score, get off the mark. Obviously, that doesn't mean his Sullen his career is going to be a roaring success. Uh, we know that, but yeah, promising signs. I thought the other standout performer, Phil, uh, was Jack Clark. Clipped the bar twice in the first half, got two goals in the second. Um, by far and away, um, the best player on the park. Look, the most technically gifted player on the park. Body language, I thought, was really positive. Performance was positive. Again, you can't read too much of these because it is pre-season. But just looking at him after the game as well, he was sort of wandering around Mariner's Park, signing autographs, um, talking to fans. That, to me, doesn't look like a player that wants away. Obviously, Tony Mowbray backed that up. We also heard from Ian Hart as agent earlier on in the summer. Um, Clark seems very happy at Sunderland amid those Burnley bids. And the signs at the moment are quite encouraging.
1: Yeah, I think that... Um... Thought so just as an aside, I thought probably the other standout player was Lyndon Gooch, I think, which I think is probably worth mentioning. I thought his not really not really a surprise, but his attitude um and his application in the game probably stood out, I think, in, you know, his strength as well. Um, a player who I think gets taken for granted a bit sometimes, in my opinion. Um but in terms of Clark, yeah, I think we've got a pretty good understanding of where, where things are at with Jack Hart, I think. I think there's a possibility he goes to the Premier League this summer because there always is, because there's a prospect that the 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 bid reaches a point where it's potentially too good for a club to turn down, and obviously, you know, there is a big opportunity potentially for a player there, and um, to go up to the Premier League and everything that comes with that. But um, Clark clearly isn't trying to force his way out. I think that's pretty much obvious. I think he's pretty relaxed. If it's a case of staying at Sunderland for another year or however long it is, I think that's something he's clearly quite happy with. Um, and at the moment, Sunderland don't feel like they've had a bid that particularly makes them feel like they've got a decision to make. Um. So at the moment, I I don't think there's a... um. There is obviously some uncertainty, but I don't think there's necessarily a big sort of cloud hanging over either Clark or Sunderland. And I think his performance, you know, is is an indication of that. Um. Obviously, we'll have to wait and see because as I say, I think the way everybody speaks about it and the way Mowbray spoke about it, nobody's daft. Um. There's, you know, there is an obvious... Sort of um, possibility whereby Burnley get their heads together and decide, you know what, we really want to make this happen, and they come back with a with a significantly improved offer, um, you know, and then in that case, we might see things change. But like, at the moment, the the mood seems pretty relaxed about it. I think.
0: Indeed, I think the obviously Crystal Palace were. Was said to be interested. I just wonder the situation where Wilf Sahari hasn't quite decided where he wants to go yet. I know he's got an offer from Palace on the table, but there's all sorts of things that can develop later on in the transfer window, is is my point. Uh, Sunderland fans were treated to a, a first glimpse at a, a few youngsters as well, Phil. Um, there was two blocks of substitutions and then by the end of the game, the eleven was completely different. We'll not go through them all. All but shout-outs to Spellman and Chris Rigg. Obviously, Spellman had an impact in the Gateshead game as well, so quite a busy afternoon for him. But yeah, that that man again, or that boy, I should say, Chris Rigg, comes up with the winner. Um, It's just a mad story, isn't it, really? Signed a scholarship deal, just left school, just finished his exams. He's going to be going on Sunderland's pre-season trip to the USA. He's already played three times in the FA Cup, and I thought when he came on, you were looking at him thinking... He is by far and away the most gifted footballer on this pitch by quite a considerable distance, and he's very, very far ahead of his, his age in terms of his, his ability. Obviously, that needs to be nurtured, but massively exciting for Sunderland fans to, to be able to watch his early progress in his career.
1: Yeah, I thought I thought he was really impressive. I think he's um, I think he's brave in possession. Isn't he? he tries to tries to play, um, you know the the most dangerous pass, if you like, to try and open things up. He tries to do it quickly um, and he doesn't half get stuck in off the ball either. And actually, I think it was one of his challenges that probably slightly harsh that it was given a free kick, but ended up with one of South Shield's equalisers. But yeah, I think that's one of the things that Mowbray really likes about him. He's pretty fearless. um, You know, I don't think he worries too much about reputation and training and what have you. um. And yeah, it was a big opportunity for Saturday and on for him on Saturday. And I think he did show that little bit of stature um, that willingness to sort of try and take the game by the scruff of the neck. Um, and it was a nice finish too, a good late, good late run into the box. So um, I actually thought in both games, to be honest, I thought when Sumlin's young players came on the pitch, they were obviously going up against a very changed Shields and Gateshead side as well. So you would expect them to look um, strong. You would expect them to, to look really comfortable in possession because of the level that they're playing at every week in the academy system. And they did. Um, and I think that was the nice thing. For me, watching them, I think there's a crop of players who are really comfortable in possession um in both games. Probably more so the Gateshead one where Summon finished the game really strongly. You know, you had players sort mm-hmm. of stepping out. Um Fields, Fieldson, I think, um, you know, was one of a few really stepping out aggressively with the ball. So it was a good exercise, I think, in that. Um, and obviously I think the nice thing here is for Sundays is you are looking at these players thinking that if they do have a really strong six months, they could be in the first team environment. Um and obviously, you know, for for Riggs specifically. You know, it's kind of the hard work starts now, doesn't it? He's done very, very well to get into this position. Time is clearly on his side, but I think anyone in football will tell you that the hardest thing is to go from making a bit of a bit of a splash to being considered a you know a serious first team contender. Now, clearly, Rig's got a, an awful lot of time to do that, um, but yeah, all the um, all the attributes are there for sure. Um, and as I say, I think what Mulberry really likes about him is that for someone so young his bravery and his physicality is, is is kind of natural to him. It's a natural part of his game. Um, and I think that gives him a big chance.
0: And in terms of centre-halves as well, Sunderland seem to have a, a couple coming through the under-21 system at the academy. There was Zach Johnson, um, who we know plays regularly for England's, um, England's youth sides. And there was also Crompton as well, who I mentioned earlier. I would expect that they wouldn't play many minutes for Sunderland in the Championship this season, barring you know, complete injury catastrophe, but on first glance they look two really good players. And it's nice to see those sort of not backup players, Backup's is the wrong word, but it's nice to see the cabs on the rank. You can you can see the the method and the madness. You can see the progression now and you can see where these players are in relation to Sutherland squad and their age.
1: Yeah, I think um, you know, jo- Johnson in particular has had a brilliant sort of year, hasn't he? Um, if you look at his progression um you know, he, he's been in the England years set up with Joe Bellingham over the summer. He's captained that side. Um, you know, he, he scored against Newcastle United in the Under-21s earlier this year, which is um, I think he's a big Sunderland fan. So I think that's an, not insignificant part of the story. But I think jo- Johnson's one of the ones where he's really benefited from the fact that, you know, Sunderland have got a lot better at um, pushing players up the age groups early if they're ready. Um, and mm-hmm. Johnson's obviously now in a position where, even though he's still think he's still only 18, he's been playing in the under-21s for quite a while now um, and that's obviously going to serve him really well sort of pushing up into the first team environment and I would imagine that he would sort of join Chris Regan and a couple of others in that scenario where the, we see the bulk of their football played in the under-21s this year um, but you would also expect them to drop into first team training on a pretty regular basis I would suggest um, and obviously there'll be things like Carabao Cup FA Cup um, where I would imagine we'll see these players obviously a uh, I think you know the crew Alexander that first round, of the Carabao Cup, I think that's only two days after the Ipswich game, with Ipswich hmm. being five o'clock on the Sunday. So you wouldn't be surprised if Mowbray made the best part of I mean, eleven changes to that game, and these players are going to come into that. I think, and obviously the other thing is there are nine substitutes this year. Instead yeah, of you bring yeah, of five course. on, but there's two more spots. Um and you know, knowing the way someone's operating now, I would imagine those two places are going to be pretty much reserved for sort of young players as well so it, it is exciting and I think that is a nice thing that you know in previous years um, not last year so much but there will have been times where you know you, you're not really going to some pre-season friendlies thinking you're going to see young players who are definitely going to be you know involved yeah. in the first team whereas I suspect some of these players will be in 18 months time um, and obviously for all these players we mentioned it's it's really early days and it's a long way to from this point to being a championship footballer Um but I think that because of the talent they've got and also the way some under and you do kind of feel as if you probably are seeing sort of the first steps of someone that you probably will see a lot more of in a couple of years' time.
0: And you can you can throw Adam Richardson into that mix as well, Phil. He came on as a substitute for Anthony Patterson in the South Shields game. He then came on as a substitute for Alex Bass in the Gateshead game. He's a big old unit for, for a goalkeeper. He looks very strong, very powerful, very athletic. Um what did you make of him, Phil? Obviously, somebody you've talked about a little bit before. Hard to judge again. But yeah, when Carney left, well, myself was probably thinking that Sudler might need a goalkeeper, but perhaps not now.
1: Well, I I, I I, don't think you know there was ever really a prospect of them signing another goalkeeper, to be honest, unless um, unless Alex Bass left. Because if you look, it's exactly what they did last year with Jacob Carney you sort of have that player who plays regularly in the Under-21s but also joins the senior goalkeepers um, on, on a regular basis, both in training and on match days, particularly the home games, they'll join in with the warm-ups um, and sort of that'll be the progression. Um, and so I always felt that Richardson was likely to sort of slot into that role. I think we'll see him playing a lot in the Under-21s this year. At some stage, will they consider maybe getting him alone? Um, maybe sort of into the National League or the National League North? Um, I suspect they probably will. Um, at some points because I think obviously, you know, for all goalkeepers that's a hugely important part of their development. We saw it with Anthony Patterson at Lots County. We saw it with um Jordan Pickford well back in the day as well. Um, but again, you know it's that it's that progression, isn't it? You know, you can see you can see the way the squad develops both in the academy and the first team and you can see that they're they're making space for these players all the time when they're ready to come through. Um, and so yeah, I would I would imagine was Richardson I would have thought will go to the US. He went on the Portugal tour last year. Um, and I would imagine we'll probably see a bit more of them at some point in pre-season.
0: Indeed, there was a fair few eyebrows raised, Phil, when the Gateshead team sheet came out and Daddy Bart wasn't on it, obviously amid those reports from Blackburn Rovers. What did Tony Moabra have to say on the matter?
1: Yeah, well, it's certainly not connected to the Blackburn Rovers' um, interest at this stage. Bart has an injury, um, but apparently a very small one, um, and he's going on the US trip. Um, so that obviously takes us to, you know, whatever it'll be, the 20th of July or whatever it'll be when someone might even be a bit late when someone gets back from the US. So there's clearly at this stage nothing imminent on it. Um, and his absence certainly wasn't related to that. But I think Mowbray's comments made pretty clear that the Bart could go um, later in the summer. I think obviously kind of following on from we had a lengthy discussion about Danny Bart last week, didn't we, in terms of, you know, I think us both kind of explaining why we wouldn't want to see him go at the moment. But I think Mowbray's comments suggested that Sunderland are being quite pragmatic about it. Um, you know, it, it, as I've said, it's a big part of the thing that they don't want to stand in players' way, um, if they potentially have a better option elsewhere. And if later in the transfer window, um, you know, Sunland's new centre outs have settled really well. If Aja Elise is back fit, if Dan Ballard's still fit, um, then I think basically the option will be there for Bart to take it if he wants. But I got the impression that at the moment we're not quite there yet because of those unknowns we spoke about last week with Triantus, obviously, who had his first day of training today. Uh, Jensen Seal, who I don't think has joined training yet with a little ankle problem. So I, I, I feel a little bit reassured that I don't feel like this is going to be something that just happens without someone really being ready to sort of... Um, yeah. I think it'll be a gamble either way if they do let him go. But I'm sort of reassured that it's one that I think everybody knows it'll be a decision that gets made later in the summer. Um, based on whether Sunderland is sort of secure enough to be able to sort of sanction that.
0: And a first look at Job Bellingham as well during the Gateshead game. It did make me laugh actually because the Gateshead team sheet had him down as Jube Bellingham. So Jube Bellingham must be the third Bellingham brother that we're, we're aware of. But uh, yeah, I'm told it was Jube, It looked like Jube. But I was impressed. I thought he, he looks a good footballer, technically gifted as you'd expect. Interesting to read Mulbray's comments after the game, Phil. That. Sullen sort of need to work out which is his, his strongest position. And I guess you'd expect that because he is only 17. I think we all keep forgetting that.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I think that's the first thing to say is athleticism for a 17-year-old is absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when you think that we're talking about sort of these young players who we saw on Saturday and, you know, Bellingham's a couple of years younger than the vast majority of them. Um, Frightening athleticism, the way he gets about <laughs> the pitch, is strength. Um, incredible! What a prospect? I think the other thing that was pretty clear as well is that he is a he, he's another one who t- takes risks on the ball. He's certainly not safe. He was always looking to try and sort of dribble his way out of trouble or play a quite ambitious pass. Um, but yeah, I think it's pretty clear that I don't think he's been. I think what we'll probably see with Bellingham is I think we'll see him play a lot. I don't think there's any doubt about that whatsoever. He's come to play in the first team pretty much from day one. But I think we will see him filtering in and out a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him in two two or three different roles over the first few months. I think realistically at this age, um, it's too early to sort of know exactly what he's going to be as a footballer and exactly you know what his best role is going to be. We still see, even a couple of years down the line, we're still doing that with Dan Neal. Oh, yeah, you know, we're talking about Dan mm-hmm. Neal as someone who could be a, a brilliant number, sort of number six moving forward, it could also be a really good number eight. We're, we're still not entirely sure exactly where he's going to find his sort of home if you like and so I think we'll go on that road with Bellingham as well where we might see him you play know, playing really high up the pitch just off the straight and being really aggressive in some games you might see him sort of trying to set the tempo a little bit Um but I think yeah it's pretty obvious why he was so heavily courted wasn't it and it's pretty obvious why Sunderland I think we're really really keen to get it done because seventeen. Um, to, to move the way he does and to impose himself on the pitch the way he does is, uh, yeah, like I say, frightening is the word for me. I think it, it's frightening yeah, to be able yeah. to see someone of that age. and Whilst obviously, you know, trying not to put too much pressure on somebody who at this point still hasn't played a huge amount of championship games and therefore is going to make some mistakes and is going to have some ups and downs, some spells where he really shines and some spells where it's probably a little bit quieter as well. Um, but yeah, exciting sign in that, I think, definitely. I think it's going to be fun to see to see him kind of go on that journey that I've just outlined.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Sunderland Jew in America playing 3 preseason friendlies over there. I think it starts next week, doesn't it? Uh, or the end of the week. Um, do you think, Phil, that's Sunderland will go over there mob-handed in terms of, uh, I'm thinking of like Alessi, Evans, Stewart, although they're not going to... Player, I know that um, because they're, they're injured and whatnot. but do you, think they'll, do you think they'll take those players out or will it sort of be a, for want of a better word a cobbled together squad with a, a few under 21s under 23s complementing it
1: I, I don't imagine the injured players by and large will go out because I think it's way more productive for them to sort mm-hmm. of have an uninterrupted training schedule at home I think if you look at obviously the logistics of the tour in the US there's going to be a lot of travelling days there's going to be a lot of game days and I think that realistically if you're Um, if you're in a position where you're trying to step up to get right back to sort of first team level I think it's probably more useful to just have an uninterrupted sort of training schedule at home Um, I think it's a little bit of a balance because obviously one of the benefits one of the reasons why clubs do these trips is for the sort of team bonding aspect of it Mm -hmm. Um, you know you're away you're all together all day long and that sort of sets you up for the season but I think pragmatically especially with a a journey this long it might be slightly different if you were going to Alba Ferrer as they have done recently (laughs) Um, I, th- I think the sensible thing to do is with the likes of Stuart Evans, um, Elisa. Certainly, I think we'll stay at home. So I think we'll see pretty much the same group that we saw um, on Saturday. To be honest, I think that will pretty much be the party that goes out. Plus Triantis, um, who's definitely going. And so I think we'll see a de- debut from him while while the tour goes on, which will be really good. I don't imagine there'll be all of the young players that we saw. Um, at the weekend will go, but I, I imagine a good core of them will. So certainly a lot of the players we've mentioned, Richardson, uh, Chris Riggs, Zach Johnson, and I imagine there'll be another sort of handful as well. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be a slightly smaller group um, because obviously, you know, you, you'll want to ensure that across these three games, the sort of 20 senior players, if you like, get a good chunk of minutes, that's going to be the main priority. Um, and I'm sure within that, there'll be some small openings for the youngsters to get on. Um, but certainly not to the extent that we saw that we saw on Saturday.
0: Absolutely. Well, you can keep up to date with all of that at the Sunderland Echo website. Phil, we'll, we'll just touch on them quickly because I don't think we've covered, them, covered him on the pod from what I could remember, but Bailey Wright left Sunderland. He's now found himself a new club. Real good servant, real good character. Um, another one of those sort of stick and plasters in case of emergency break. The Bailey Wright glass or the Lugo 9 glass always gave 100%. My abiding memory of him. Will be him smiling to the the sky cameras with blood running down his face. Not quite Terry Butcher England style, but in the same sort of um in the same sort of ballpark away at Sheffield Wednesday, having just helped Sunderland secure that all important Wembley place, which went on to be hugely significant. Um, we'll talk about a player joining a club and then leaving it in a better place. He's certainly done that, hasn't
1: he? Yeah, for sure. I think a really important part of building, I think, the um you know, the stuff that's hard for us to assess, but I think building that kind of culture, I think, in the dressing room. So when we talked last season about how, in the last stages of last season, about how impressive it was that, you know, someone had such a down worth group of players and that when, when you know, where there were injuries and when there were obstacles, they seemed to be really resilient and just find a way to get on with it and dig deep in games away from home. You know, I think someone like Billy Wright is the head of that leadership group, although obviously by that point we have gone to Rotherham. Um I think he was such an important part in building that, I think. And I think that's quite a powerful legacy, you know, to actually leave behind. And Luke 09 spoke after the game about trying to sort of assume a bit of that responsibility and take some of that on. Um, so, yeah, his is, on-the-pitch contributions were obviously huge. You mentioned the, the sort of the playoff campaign, which is absolutely right. Even in the first half of last season, you know, you can actually pick out a few games where someone's had injuries and, and mm-hmm. right was important in getting points. One that jumps straight in my head is is Birmingham away, which was just before the World Cup break was a really important three points because at that point I think of was still kind of same mm. distance to the bottom as they were at the top you know so it was never yeah. entirely sure where they were as a team and, and Wright and Birmingham were just hammering long balls forward and Wright had a steady game from what I remember and It, it would have
0: it, been, been a poor game to lose that with the World Cup coming up in the big brig
1: Yeah just those little things you know in terms of helping that transition to you know that League One team to the sort of quite free-flowing championship team that we saw by the end of last year so I think yeah first and foremost to uh, someone who you know nobody says a bad word about, and that's to to his immense credit, but also, yeah like I say, I think someone who' on and off the pitch, probably a pretty important part of getting someone from from where they were, which was not so good to to sort of where they are now, um which is you know very very good, and I suppose the challenge for someone really is as the squad develops um to ensure that they don't lose that essence, you know that sort of really strong sort of cultural. Um, resilience, if you like, and, and, and humility that I think right embodied. And that, and that's going to be really interesting over the next few windows as some of these players do move on. And we talked about Danny Bart as another one who I would put in that category, you know, that you bring in the characters who can, yes, all right, might be able to take your football team forward, but also maintain that. Something that's been quite powerful, I think, in building that bond between the supporters, which hasn't been there for quite a long time. So, um, yeah, I think he's leaving primarily. I think it's it's really important to him that he wants to be in the Australia side. I don't think he feels like he's at the end of his career. Um, and so I think everyone would just wish him well, really, in that going to get that game time he needs and and, and extending that international career because he, he, he certainly deserves that.
0: Absolutely. You mentioned quickly there, Phil, speaking to Lugo Nine after the South Shields game. Uh, he was asked the question where he sees himself playing this season. What uh, What answer did he give?
1: Well, I think... I think it looks like he's going to play centre right, doesn't it? But as he said, you know, ask me again in a couple of hours <laughs> because yeah, you know, um, especially with Luke, things can change right. Listen, I mean, you know, I think a player of that, you just embrace that versatility, really. And you know, we've talked a bit on this pod over the last couple of weeks about we think Dennis Serkin will be fit to start the season, but Aji Elise definitely won't. So if Serkin had a little setback mm. at the moment, you'd be looking and thinking, well, it's probably Gucci or nine at left back. Do you know what I mean? For to begin with. So um I don't think he would I think it would be reckless to say um you know to say that he's found a position permanently but I think the signs every time I've spoken to Tony Mowbray about it over the last six months he seemed very nonplussed by the idea of 0 9 in midfield. I, I don't think he um I don't think he sees that at all anymore. I think Luke we can certainly say he's a defender for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um we might see him shift a little bit um within that. Um but I think yeah, I think he's got a big chance to get in that team on the opening day of the season and stay there as a centre half. He was excellent last year, gets better all the time. And when you think about some of the things we've been talking about, about, you know, the uncertainty over Bart, you know, Triantis and Seal, how quickly will they settle? When will Seal be fit? And there's an opportunity there for nine to be ready for sort of day one. Um and history suggests he's pretty hard to dislodge when he when he gets his opportunity. So it's gonna be really fascinating to watch that develop.
0: Yeah, excuse me, Phil, but I keep thinking of more things to talk about, so I'm going to throw another one at you very quickly again. Last one, I promise. But I thought it was really, really, really promising to see now Huggins do so well. Obviously, a lot of injuries during his Sunderland career. Whenever he's played for Sunderland, he's looked really, really good, and it's such a shame um, that he's had those injury issues because he can play left-back and right-back, and then he played in midfield against Gateshead, got a goal. Uh, Technically so gifted, and if he can stay fit for Sunderland, that's, that's real quality and depth.
1: Yeah, I think M- Mowbray described him as as a bonus ball. Yeah, uh, I think yeah. that's absolutely right. And it's no sort of disrespect to Huggins whatsoever. I think it's just pragmatic that you can't really go into the season at the moment saying, you know, Huggins is one of our yeah, definite no, yeah. fullback options. Um, but I think where the luxury is, is that you can, Huggins is so versatile that I think he is, if he can stay fit, he's never going to be that far off getting in the squad and getting in the team. I think that's the exciting thing for him. He probably knows that he's got a long way to go in terms of sort of proving that he can be considered a robust championship player. Um, But the exciting thing for him is because he can do so many roles, he is never going to be far off the team if he can keep himself fit. And I agree, he looked really sharp. I think last year, the appearances he made, sort of away at Birmingham, the game I mentioned earlier, away at Fulham, the FA Cup, he did really well, to his immense credit. But he was trying to get through the games because he had no match fitness and some of them were in a position where they needed them to play. And it was very much about him getting through those games. And you could tell that. And to his credit, he did. But I think that hopefully now, because he's having a full pre-season, um, he can go well beyond that. We can actually start to see that sort of dynamism that we saw in the early spells of his career. Um, and I think that... Like I say, his versatility makes him a potential real bonus for Mowbray. Um, and it's exciting because, you know, it's really, really tough for a player to make a move to start off so well. Um, and mm-hmm. then, you know, to, to, to miss almost two years is, is, is you know, really, really tough. Um, but I thought he looked sharp. And the, the benefit, the big thing is this is his first full preseason for three years. Yeah, because if yeah. you remember, obviously, last year he wasn't fit for a preseason. season the year before that, he arrived at Sunderland, but he hadn't been doing pre-season with Leeds because he'd been told he could move elsewhere. So he was basically in a separate group away from the first team. And I don't think that was anywhere near the level of intensity um, that you need. Um, and that's partially maybe why he got those initial injuries. Might be because he was coming into the League One demands without that pre-season yes. behind him. So if he can stay fit and touch wood, um, because it would be fantastic to see that Um I think the big benefit is that if if he's got this pre-season behind him, um, that puts him into a different category, I think, in terms of where he's been for quite a long time with his fitness. And like I say, someone to have the luxury of, you know, they they know that um, they need to ensure the squad's deep enough in case it's a bit of a bumpy road for him. Um, But if he he is fit, then you've got someone who can play four or five positions, no problem. Um, And as I say, with nine substitutes allowed this year, what an option to have on your bench, you know, someone who you know you can bring on in a wide number of situations to do a job. So um, really early days, I think. Um, But I think you could say one of, if not the biggest positives from Saturday, really, um, to see him enjoying his football, looking sharp, um, scoring a good goal as well.
0: Absolutely right. Well, that does bring an end to this week's edition of the Royal Podcast. Uh, Sunland are obviously heading over to America so you can uh, catch full coverage of them from the Sunland Echo. Uh, And yeah, pop over there now for all of the fallout from the South Shields and Gateshead games. And thank you once again for listening.